Hi, and welcome to Bread. You'll notice that this message is not part of our current series, but it is a good one. One by our friend, Robin Morrison, who's a gifted teacher and prophetic voice. Take a listen. Enjoy. Uh, it's a real privilege for me to welcome back our friend Robin. Um, Robin turned up at our house when we just started the church with about 12 people in uh, elementary school uh, with Chinese lanterns. Don't worry about those. Uh, he turned up and he spoke and then he came to lunch and he would brought five bottles of wine and I thought, I'm going to like this guy. Uh, and I have continued to really like uh, Robin. Um, he's been a great friend and a great support to me and Hannah through... Um, really difficult times in um, negotiating COVID and planting a church in this whole kind of thing. Um, and he's wonderful. Uh, so there's no one like Robin. I'm just warning you. I mean, yes, as he says, thank God. Uh, but um, uh, would you give a very warm welcome to uh, Robin? Great to have you, Robin. You know, on the planes where they show you the exits, this is your chance. Okay. So, I feel like I want <laughs> This carpet, I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. Um, anyway, okay, we will have tangential moments. We'll get through this, so let me give some clarifiers. I was originally born in Philly, which Philadelphia, for those of you out here that don't understand that. Um, but I have lived in California longer here than I have in Pennsylvania. Um, I have a farm in Pennsylvania. I have more degrees than anybody should. It just meant I spent a lot of money to have fun, um, which now I'm questioning the sanity of all of that. So uh, I'm Irish and Italian and Jewish, which if you want to look in the DSM-5, that's there somewhere as a personality disorder. Okay? So fasten your seatbelts. We'll get to where we're going. And um, I just have a word of exhortation. I tend to talk quick and la loud and large, and then we'll move someplace. Um, do you know how at SeaWorld, and I think even at uh, Universal Studios, they talk about the splash zone? These things are dangerous for an Italian man. They tend to fly, so I apologize. Anybody in the first five rows, catch it if it goes, okay? So, um, <clears throat> I think my message, oh, you can put that first picture up, the one of the dude with the t-shirt. Is there, do we have it? But we'll get to it. There it is. Can you all read what it says on the back of his t-shirt? My life is a graveyard, a perfect graveyard of buried hopes. Now, half of you are going, ah, oh, crap, that's exactly what I think. And the other half are going, that should be funny, but it's not. <laughs> there you go. That's what we're going to talk about today. So my little exhortations on hope and help during times of tumult and transition. Or if you want a better way to describe it, how do we deal with delays, disappointments, the detours and dead ends of our lives? Because many of you right now are in a cross season of transitioning into something, but you're not quite sure what it is I'm going toward. Now I'm getting head nods. Good. Okay, I heard from God today. So, just be encouraged. My goal here is to encourage all of you, and we'll look at a couple things, but... It's going to be more descriptive than it is definitive. And what I mean by that is, I don't know if you ever noticed the paradox of self-help books is, if it was that easy, I would have already figured it out. Just, just think that one through a minute. Some of you, this is going to hurt your brains, I can tell. Like you're going, wait, I have to think this morning? Starbucks hasn't even kicked in. Okay. 
we are a people that God calls. And the difficulty with that, that we as Westerners struggle with, how many of you struggle with two things, which I imagine we're not even going to be talking about sin, so relax. Um, what we're going to be talking about is how many of you struggle with hearing God's voice? Come on. All right. How many of you struggle with what's God's will? This is, ah, there we go. There we go. By the way, if I was to ask this question in other cultures, they'd be like, what are you talking about? God directs me. God leads me. Only in the West are we, like, freaking out about God's will because we're so terrified of missing it or messing it up, which is why transitions are so hard because we want someone to tell us what to do and then we want to argue with them. Is that true? That's how we are. We're pretty adolescent when it comes to spirituality. I know this. I'm a school teacher, and I love all the grades except for third and fourth. They drive me insane because third and fourth graders, you say this, and we are third and fourth graders, which is why I'm referencing this. You'll say, I'm about to give you two instructions. Wait till I tell you the two things before you do anything. What did I just say? They'll repeat it back to you, and then I say, please take out, and that's all I got to say, and all the desks open. And, like, there's one kid in the back going, smugly, <laughs> I'm the perfect golden child. So, um, and that's it. Do you understand? This is us. God will say, I am about to, and then we run. We either run away in fear, or he tells us something, and we think we got it all. Does that, does that make sense? So this is where we struggle as people of God. There's a reason the largest reference to us is children of God. That there's a reason, because we are like children, which has its upside and its downsides. So one of the things I'm going to give you is this. Some of you, the way God directs you and leads you is by the nose and the dead end you're in right now. See, we wanted to just go, yes, 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 yes. And then all of a sudden we hit the wall or we hit a dead end and we think, what did I do wrong? What God is doing us is showing something that he isn't calling us to. It's how we figure out what we're called to. Have any of you ever volunteered for something or taken a job that later you go, oh, and I'm not going to use the word, we at all say, never again am I going to do that thing. How do you think you figured that out? Because you did it. So a lot of times God will lead us into a place that seems very difficult or very unclear because what he's doing is helping us sort through what we're wired for. Does, does that make sense? When, when they do surveys, which of course anybody can quote a survey, drives me insane, um, the one thing that everyone struggles with, regardless of spirituality, ethnicity, nationality, wherever it is, what is my purpose? Why am I here? This is the largest question humans struggle with. Is there more to life than just this, right? And so most of us are struggling with this. But here's the thing I want to tell you. It's not your ability to hear and understand God. It's God's ability to reveal it to you and lead it. Most of you are practicing your own self rather than practicing God's presence. So you spend more time doing the inventory internally of, well, is this God's will or not? And so you're, you're, you're stuck in your heads rather than focusing on the person that can give you the help and the answer, which is it's God's ability to lead me, not my ability to follow. You're going to have to hold on to that one point. If you take nothing home today, Take that one point home. It's God's ability to lead you. It says the steps of the righteous are ordained of the Lord. It means he directs you. Now, if I walk in front of this city bus, don't tell me God directed me. Because there's going to be a consequence, people of the Lord. You can have all the faith you want. You're going to be on the fender of the bus. Do you understand? Sometimes 
People, I love this quote in American culture, which actually has nothing to do with the Bible. Most of the time we're quoting Shakespeare, Ben Franklin, or Reader's Digest. It's not the Bible, just so you all know. So this one, which is, oh, everything happens for a reason. Yes, and do you know why? Because sometimes you make stupid choices. That's why it happened. Do you understand? It has nothing to do with God's will. It has to do with you just were young and dumb and didn't know. But everyone goes, oh, it happens for a purpose. Which then everyone who, this means nothing to most of you, who are like hardcore predestinists, destinationists, I slap and they go, what'd you do that for? It was God's will. It was predestined. Now all of you who are theologians will get that. The rest of you are going, that is not funny and I don't understand. What I find interesting is when things are going great, we think we made the choices. When things are going hard, the first thing out of our mouth is what? Why, God? Why, why is this happening to me? You know, why did you lead me here, right? So I want you to think of your walk with the Lord as kind of a path that unfolds rather than a runway with lights. We want a runway with lights. But yet it's stepping stones. And sometimes God only reveals one stone at a time. Does that make sense? That's the hard part, isn't it? Because here's how most of us are wired in the West. I want to know exactly where the destination is. I don't want to live in the tension of, it's not about the destination, it's about the process. There's this very interesting statement when the apostles asked Jesus, so when are you coming back? And when's the kingdom coming? And when's this happening? And do you know what he tells them? It's not for you to know the times. <laughs> wow, that kind of sucks. I don't know if you would think that through that, but it does. Because they're like, they got a timeline in their head, and God's like, don't worry about the timeline. Does that make sense? If you pay attention on the internet, the planet's either about to go to hell any moment. Oh my God, it's this glorious new era that's about to break out. I'm just not sure what it's going to be. Just like now, if you hang out a sign uh, prophetic, most of it's pathetic. And so most people are prognosticating about when the end's going to come. The church has been doing this for 2,000 years. Entire villages in 1,000 went out to hills waiting for Jesus to return. You know what happened? They got hungry. They all went home. That's kind of how it works. If you study any cult, the first thing they fixate on is when the end is, right? So I want you to think of this in terms of relational and not situational or an event. Because we're very event-oriented. So we want a specific event versus a relationship. So if you look in the Bible, it's very interesting. Jesus refers to us as the bride and him as the bridegroom. And so he's immediately starting with these very relational imageries. It's not like, here's the event, figure it out. You know, he didn't tell the apostles, strap yourselves in. Oh my God, it's going to suck. The end's going to blow. Just deal with it. What he said was, there's all this stuff that's going to happen. Let me, let me give you this simple, condensed version of everything horrible you read in the book of Revelation. A lot of sucky doo-doo is going to happen. But guess what? In the end, I come back and it's all fine. Don't worry about it. You're going to get through it. Does that make sense? But everyone goes, where's the sign? Oh, that's a sign of this and that's a sign. Of you know why? Because we're freaking neurotic. That's why. What do you think those signs on the freeway are about? Oh, 22 minutes to this place. It's so we don't shoot each other. It has nothing to do with changing anything. It doesn't make you get there faster. It doesn't make you get there slower. Do you understand? It's so your neurosis feels like you have control over something. That's really all it's about. And then what really irritates me is everyone slows down to read those dang signs. It's like we are illiterate in Southern California. Wait a minute, moss to a flame. 
What did that say? It just says 22 minutes. How could you not read that in two seconds? Oh my God, there's only one person laughing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, save me from myself and your followers. Okay, amen. Um, <clears throat> all right. Revelation 22, 16. The spirit and the bride say, come. The church and ourselves are a very invitational people. Jesus is always inviting us to come in and ask and inquire, to discover of him. The difficulty is we live in an age and an era that the Bible uses multiple imageries to describe. So what I'm going to do is paint a big picture and then zoom in on kind of specifics for yourselves. The first issue is that we are living in the echo and the memory of Eden. Everybody is pining for what's perfect. Right? You know something's wrong. You may not have the answer or the power to change it, but you just know this cannot be it. I'm sorry. We live in Southern California, but this is not paradise, contrary to popular opinion. Okay? So there's that echo in it. Romans 8 talks about the groan of creation. The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom. And here's the point. We have the first fruits inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption. There's this place of waiting and longing, right? So the groan of creation. Then the next image is we're waiting for his return. Like there's this sense of, okay, hopefully he's coming back, people. You know, like please fix something, do something. In Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope. The Bible also uses these other images, which is, the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us. What is a deposit? It's something that says you're going to return it or collect it later, right? Or pay for it. So we have this deposit of the Holy Spirit in us, which says, okay, we haven't, the fullness of something hasn't happened yet. Then the Bible in Galatians 4 refers to the fullness of time and the culmination of time. Galatians 4, 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Notice it doesn't clarify what that means. It just means there's a timing in God's heart. I'm setting all this imagery for you so that you understand the whole of the church for 2,500 years or 3,000 years has had to wrestle with the reality of what the Bible says, its theology, and the present state of the world. Always. We've had to adjust some of our understanding. That's why when you read in the Bible, John has to correct the first century church because the story of Jesus and his theophany when he appears on the lake and he asks Peter about, you know, do you love me more than these? And then he, Peter asks the question about John the disciple and says, what about him? And then Jesus says, what is it to you if he should remain until I return? So then this rumor started in the church, Jesus is coming back before John dies. So here's John on the island of Patmos receiving the revelation of the book of Revelation and the church is going, he's got to come back, he's got to come back. And then he dies. And they go, oh, poo. Now we have to figure this out. Do you understand? We have had to adjust our understanding. It doesn't mean that scripture changes, it's just our understanding. Some of you in your walk and in your life need to adjust your understanding to what's actually happening. Because it will help you get through it a lot better. Does that, does that make sense? There's the ideal and then there's the real. See, you've all been told to follow your dreams. My issue with that as someone who has a creative side and an analytic side is, well, when I was eight, that was to have 10 horses and 100 dogs. <laughs> Do you understand? 
the dreams I had in my teens are different than my 20s, than my th so which of those dreams should I follow? The battle in your life is not over your dreams. The battle in your life is whether you're going to fulfill the call that God has put on your life to do the good works that he's asked you to do. That's what the battle is. It's not about serving Jesus. There's tons of, there's tons of people around the world that say, I love the Lord, who are not fulfilling their call. They're just warming chairs and reading books. Do you, do you understand? And making political commentary. Anyway, let's move on. Before we set down a rabbit trail, I won't be happy with. The power, I, I keep referencing this, which means nothing to you. The difficulty with the prophetic is that it's supposed to be the plumb line to call the church as it looks down the road to see where God is calling us as a people and as individuals. But in this country, it has been hijacked by politics and prosperity and personalities. So any idiot can hang out a shingle and prognosticate about the future, and everyone goes, oh my God, that's so profound. If you're not inside, you're outside. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> I'm going to have to meditate on that. And then we have entire conferences about not being inside. Do you, do you understand? It's just stupidity. I don't know how Jesus puts up with us. Mostly me. The difficulty with the transition in our lives is this. It's like standing in a hallway. Hallways are not meant to be lived in, are they? Hallways tend to be very anxious places for all of us. Because in hospitals, where do you sit? In a waiting room in the hallway. It's never good news, right? When you're in someone's house, there's the hallway, and the first thing you're thinking is, what's the house look like if it's your first time there? Because it's a place of transition. Some of you are in the bench in the hallway, and that's why you're having such a hard time. Because one door has shut, but the other door hasn't opened. Am I making sense to anybody here? Now I'm getting head nuts. Thank God. I'm thinking, I heard from Jesus wrong. Okay, I'm so sorry. Um, what happens in places of transition is the grace for the previous assignment that you were in dries up. But the new grace hasn't been revealed, nor what the new assignment is yet. So that's why you get highly anxious, because you're going, I must have missed the boat. I messed it up. I shouldn't have left that thing. I shouldn't have said yes to this other thing. Because the biggest thing that happens in our culture that all of us are told is jump and you're going to miss out, so take it now. So then we start second-guessing ourselves, don't we? Right? Rather than, some of you act like you like roller coasters, but secretly you're merry-go-round people. You really are. You're like, oh, I just love this little pony. It just, you know, up and down, round and round. It's so predictable. But you all act like, oh, I just love roller coasters. No, you don't. The thing about a roller coaster is it about the destination. Is the goal to get to the end? Now, some of you are scared. Yes, it is. But those of you who think it's awesome, the goal is just to enjoy the experience, isn't it? Figure it out, people of God. Enjoy the ride. Jesus is sitting as the pilot. It'll be fine. Does, does that make sense? You're so worried about missing it or messing up. The problem in the place of transition is now all of a sudden, all our anxiety comes up, all our fear comes up, and then chaos seems to break out. Our friends just start going crazy. People start going crazy. The world goes crazy. And we're like, <clears throat> because our heart is crying for security and stability, isn't it? That's the hard part. But it's not going to come just from circumstances. It's going to come from within. That's the reality. Jesus confirms and clarifies our call in the places of transition. That's exactly what he's doing. 
but there are seasons and times. Ecclesiastes 3.1, which we've heard, there is a time for everything, and then it clarifies further, and a season for every activity under heaven. Very interesting. So there's a clarity between timing and the season. The difficulty is we live in a kingdom with Jesus that has come, is coming, and will come. The Bible uses three tenses. And the difficulty is we want the future kingdom now, and so we want everything to be fixed. I always laugh when people are like, well, why did God allow this? But at the same time, then we want to argue, I want to make my choices. So do you want God to control everything, or do you want to make your own choices? Some of you are going to have to wrestle through that. Don't sweat it. You have free will. God has more. <laughs> Understand? You make choices. He makes bigger choices. That's how it works. Let him guide you in relationship and not just in things I need. I was amazed how people turn into real prayer warriors when they need parking. <laughs> Especially in L.A. The reason I'm saying this is because it's not about, it's just about having a conversation with God. Now, what happens in the transition places and the tumult places, that God is transforming us. That's what happens in those transition points. He transforms us without knowing it. Your growth happens usually in hindsight. Because here's how it goes. If you knew exactly what God was doing in your life 24-7, you'd mess it up. You'd hurry it up. You'd resist it. Do you know, I thought I was going to be in L.A. for three years when God called me here. I, I relinquished. <laughs> anyway, the Lord told me to step down from some pretty serious positions and places of influence and said, I'm calling you into L.A. And I'm like, the land of the salad bar. I don't think so. Fruits and nuts. Do you know where I'm living? I live at a house that's at the corner of Orange and Walnut. If you don't think God got the last joke about fruits and nuts, you're missing out. Okay? So here's the thing. I tell the Lord, if you had told me I'd still be here 25 years later, I would have never have come. Do you know what God tells me every time? That's why I didn't tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah, figure that one out. You all want to know what's happening, but the truth is you don't have enough faith yet to receive it. Do you, do you understand? Here's the thing. We're all insecure in our relationships with God. How many of you, this is how old I am, and I love that we have a new group because now I can tell stories that I don't feel like I'm too old. My kids tell me I repeat myself. I go, shut up. Um, you're going to get to this point. How many of you remember that stupid poem, Footprints in the Sand? Okay. I grew up in a church where they would play the organ and read that stupid poem for altar calls. And I'd be in the back dying. I'd be like, oh my God, if I have to hear this one more time, you know? And here's how my life goes. My story's not about, you know, then here's how the poem goes for the end. No. You know, one day I had a dream. I was walking along on the beach. And there were two footprints, and then all of a sudden there was one. And I went, Jesus, why did you leave me? And oh, my child, that's when I carried you. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? My story is butt prints in this sand. He dropped me way back there, and he's been dragging my tuchus ever since. So all my life is butt prints in the sand. Look, come on, you're coming along, Robin. I've got things for you to do. No, I hate people. I really do. Give me my goats. They're a lot nicer. They're predictable. No, you're going to go talk. I hate talking. I throw up every time I talk. Yet yeah, we're going. Come with me. And it's butt prints in the sand. Do you understand? Everyone has these like, oh, like Jesus is just so loving. He is. 
But here's the thing. My Jesus is a union worker. You know that picture your grandmother had where, like, Jesus is tapping on the door real gentle, like he's not quite sure should he tap, you know? Like, as if he doesn't know the address. Ooh, where's Google today? Um, and, the, you know, and he's knocking. Okay, my Jesus is a full union worker with a backhoe. He goes, screw the knocking. I'm bulldozing in the front door. You can say no all you want. Do, do you understand? All of you think Jesus has to respect your nose. Ha! How many of you have toddlers or had toddlers? How do you know when they say, you know, when they say no, does that stop you? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not eating. No, I'm not breathing. Good. Let's see how long you can hold your breath. Let's go. Do you understand? Say your no all you want, and then you wait till the fit's over, and then you go, okay, here are your choices. And guess what happens? They usually make one. What do you think God's doing with half of you? You're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not cooperating with this growth process. And then he goes, okay, fine. Let's see how long. Do you understand? The problem with us is that God wants, we want to be, we want Jesus and we want to be like Jesus, but it's going to cost you everything. That's the reality of it. But here's the thing. The rewards are amazing. Because the final process is when we get through the hallways of life and we end up in the doors that God wants, we're fully prepared. What you have to hold on to is hope. There's all these verses where hope, prayer, and gratitude go together. If you're having a hard time and you need a breakthrough in a certain area of your life, pray for somebody else. If you're really grumbling about what God's doing, be intentional about giving gratitude. Does that make sense? Some of you are struggling, and I call the COVID arena the great reset because we're in that place now, post all of that. All of you as we get older and the kids who never were born into, we're all going to be referring to that era, and people are like, what are you talking about? Because it changed everything, didn't it? It just changed everything. But we have to see with redemptive lenses that God had a purpose and a plan, even if I don't understand it. Does, does that make sense? Stop getting caught up in, well, why did God allow You're going to trip over that till the day you go to see him. I don't know why he does certain things. But it doesn't stop me from going. Just because I don't understand how everything in my car works doesn't mean I can't drive it. Do you understand? So just keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's baby steps for some of us. What I'm here to encourage you in is hold on to hope. There's all these verses in the Bible about hope. But if I give you a couple thoughts, I want to give you this. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. God has good things for you to do and wants to show you his goodness. Does that make sense? He wants to show you his goodness. And Jeremiah 29, 11, which gets way over recycled, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, key phrase, clarifier, not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. God has hope and future for you. Hold on to that. He gets you to where you need to go. The joy of older saints, if you hang out with them long enough, is when you listen to all of the doo-doo and the struggles and the trials that they've been through, they're still going. That encourages me because if you made it, I can make it. Does that make sense? That's the difficulty. Most of you have drowned in monkey syndrome. You're talking to people who are in the same boat you are, and you're like clinging onto each other going over the waterfalls. You're like, oh my God, I hope we make it, I hope we make it. Find somebody who can tell you you're going to make it. Does that, does that make sense? You're going to make it. God's desire 
to get you to where you're going is greater than your desire to get there. God's desire that you would be the person he's called you to be is greater than your desire. You're never going to out-desire God. And he gets us there in spite of ourselves. Do you know how many times I just say no so I can get it out of the way with Jesus? Let's just have it now. Every time I get invited somewhere to speak, I go, nope, not doing it, not going there. I hate people. Mostly myself. And then the Lord's like, nope, you're going. I go, fine, okay, you win. God doesn't want you to be inauthentic, but wrestle with him in those places of fear and doubt. Does, does that make sense? The goal isn't to be the biggest faith flexor on the planet. That, that's the reality of it. Jesus cares about all of you. So we are in times of high anxiety and high stress. So we are going through lots of transitions, both personally and publicly and culturally and a whole bunch of things. But here's the thing. The history of the church shows us that people and God still make it. He carries us through those things. He leads us and sustains us. And you're going to get to where you're going. The difficulty is for some of you, you're afraid, again, you're going to miss the boat or you're going to mess it up. Trust God's ability, not yours. Ask God to make himself known to you. So, we went all over the map and not really. We're landing at a point here, and this is the point. I want to encourage some of you at personal levels, prophetically, what God has got for you. Now, this is the part where some of you are going to go, oh, crap, he sees all my sin. I don't see all your sins. Jesus could care less about those because he took care of those on the cross, just so you know. But here it is. It's God seeing you, saying, I notice you, I name you in your mind. And I care about you, and I'm involved in your life. I do this all the time. I didn't sign up for this. Jesus kind of pounced on me. I always sat in the back in church. Do you know why? Because every time I come to a church, some minister, some evangelist, somebody would pull me out of the crowd and start telling me my life. I'd be like, I can't handle this anymore. So one time I went to a foreign country. Do you know what happened? It happened again. I was like, please go away. It's like Jonah. You remember that story? I just go, I'm not doing this. I just know. So I'm here to tell you it's good news. The whole point of prophecy is to encourage people, to exhort people, and to comfort people. 